test. Let me make sure that the uh, that Windows. I have to do this every single time that Windows is not doing its stupid crap. Um, okay, That's the not. Windows life. Yeah. Right. The thirst is real for the Pixel 3 and the Pixel 3 XL, but part of the reason why we are so anticipating this phone is not just because it's the next Pixel, but it's because we start to see that people actually have them already. Someone explain to us what's going on here. I mean, it seems like the phone is already on sale, but before we get into the Pixel 3 XL, we're going to talk a little bit about Huawei's little bit of a flub up in terms of their future phones and how they take their selfie photos. After all, an ad came out and... There's a little bit of controversy around it. Also, on this show, we're going to talk about what the iPhones might be able to do this year, considering that the iPhone 10 seems to be becoming popular again. And is a Nokia phone the best one you can get out there? These are all questions that may or may not be answered, but there is one thing that we can answer for you. It's how we feel, so far, about the Poco phone. El Poco Loco, as it were. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 319 of the weekly brought to you by Pocket Now and XDA developers on this day, the 23rd of August, 2018. From smartphones to tablets to wearables and so much more, these are all the things that you dreamed of having since you were a kid. So let's go ahead and get talking. I am your host for the weekly. It's Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? And joining us today is, as it says here in my Jules written script, Mr. Positivity himself, Brandon Miniman. How's it going, Brandon? <laughs> Hi. Why am I Mr. Positivity? <laughs> you kind of are, to be honest, Mr. Power of Positivity over there. I've never seen you without a smile on your face, personally. Awesome. I appreciate that. I try not to be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on this episode as well, we have uh, also a pretty special guest who is celebrating his 10th anniversary at Pocket Now this very week, Anton D. Nagy. How's it going, Anton? It is awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Yeah, it's been a little while since we've seen each other, huh? It's been like three or four months. We started to talk about that before we went on here. Whenever we were in, in Korea for the uh, G7 launch. Yeah, exactly. That was a really fun time, too. It was. And finally, we have our producer back in the booth. We missed you last week. <laughs> we, we missed you, Jules, so much. <laughs> I miss being here. Yes. So uh, I'm glad to be here. And I got that Poco phone just as much as you do, Josh. So, uh, exactly. I'm I do have it over here on the side. And uh, like I said, this is my uh, Jules written script here. So it says here, the Poco Pushing Podcast Producer, Jules Wong. <laughs> Gotta have some of that alliteration going on in there. Come on. Yeah. All right. So we're going to we're going to check in with our panel um, more in the midpoint of our show. So we're going to get straight into the news right now. There's actually quite a lot to talk about. And uh, as usual, with every week in the world of smartphones, there's quite a bit of speculation. But what is interesting about this first story is that we're actually getting some examples of what we're speculating on. And that either pisses us off or makes us more excited. The Pixel 3 XL just keeps appearing in the flesh and people are taking pictures of it on subways. And then this new piece of information came out from Russia. Russian site Rozekt, I, I really think I said that wrong, uh, apparently obtained a fully furnished Pixel 3 XL package. And of course, it was from an anonymous source, but we're going to just say Google probably. And they claim that Google lost track of an entire shipment of finished devices, but this is the one that they've gone ahead and unboxed. We get a really good look at everything that is in the box with the Pixel 3 XL, as well as the phone itself. Now, We'll talk about the design of the phone in a little bit, but I want to get some quick reactions, or rather just some reactions from all of you about just this phone in general, why you think these leaks are happening so much, and if you're excited about not just the phone, but also the content 
contents of the box because I have a couple things I want to say about that. Let's start off with Anton since it's your uh, first show back in a bit. Thank you. And uh, uh, being my 10th anniversary, uh, can I allow? Can I be allowed to be off script just for a couple of seconds? Jules, oh, yeah. could, could, could you do me a favor and, and lock the camera on you for a second? Uh, on me? On you, yes. All right, so so this, is, this is what I'm seeing when I'm looking at Jules. Now, can you lock the camera on me, please? <laughs> Here we go. You're getting one of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not necessarily for your hair, my friend. Yeah, this is this, we're going to shave. We're going to have this. Uh, what's the brand on that? Hashtag shave that. Mic. <laughs> shave that dead, <laughs> dead cat on my freaking camera here. No, it's huge. I get it. It's lovely, but I like I'm talking right over it, and I have to put those plosives out there. And without this dead cat, then they'd be just flying all over the place, and uh, your ears would be boggled by them. So I mean, it's here for necessity's sake, but I totally get it. I would love to have that Gillette uh, blade come over and uh, just you know do a little trimming work. This on podcast it. <laughs> is not being sponsored. By Gillette. So let's move no, on to the Pixel. <laughs> um, I don't know if if the reports are true and there's any indication that there might be true. Apparently, Google has lost an entire shipment of Pixel Three phones, finished phones. I'm not sure how one can misplace or lose an entire shipment. That's that's the rumor out there. If it's true, we might see these, of course, pop up on eBay or on other sites which are selling phones, and we might see even reviews of a phone which has not yet been announced at all, or it will be announced in a couple of months. As of whether I'm excited or not about the Pixel 3 XL or the Pixel 3, at this point in time, I think it's too late for me to become anything similar or close to excited because we feel or at least I personally feel that I already know this phone so well <laughs> I've seen it I've seen it I know what's what's inside it and no I don't like that huge notch but I can live with it that's not the problem I have that feeling which I usually have after using a phone for a couple of weeks or months that this brings no more joy and excitement to my life because that particular period of I don't know honeymoon phase is over and it's funny because mm. it was a honeymoon without actually being a honeymoon mm, yeah. yeah it's like that phantom feeling of knowing a phone without i mean you've seen all the leaks you've seen all the rumors benchmarks and whatnot but it's just you don't have it in your hand and um, you know but we know enough from past experience because uh, of course, Rozak Kid uh, decided to take a whole bunch of photos and and you know publish a sample online it looks pretty similar to what the Pixel 2 was able to put out. And from what we've been able to say about it, that's been very nice. Single so how... camera on the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, single camera yeah. on the back. But uh, we, we mentioned the notch a little bit. And uh, what, what I kind of wanted to ask in terms of just the design that we've seen through these leaks and through these uh, spotted in the wild photos that we've had. Um, so you have the Pixel 2. And then you have the Pixel 2 XL. It seems that the XL is the, if you, correct me if I'm wrong, but of course we don't know if I'm wrong because the phone's not even out yet, but the Pixel Pixel 3 XL potentially is the one with the notch while the smaller one's just going to retain the same design correct. more or less. Yeah. Um, how is that? Why not put the notch on the smaller one um, in order to get a little bit more screen real estate? Uh, I, that, that's something that kind of perplexes me. I think that they're trying to, I'm not sure who is manufacturing the uh, pixels this year, whether it's LG, HTC, or somebody else, but they're Mm -hmm. definitely manufacturing them by Google's direct and strict instructions. I think that Google is trying to 
cater to both audiences. I mean, the, the notch, the notch has been the most polarizing topic of the past two or three years in the smartphone business. And there are people who love it. There are people who hate it. And there are people who just go with it regardless. And I think that with this, and I'm not sure that there will be any other difference between the two, say for some minimal aspects, they're trying to cater to both audiences and as such boost their sales. Before I get into the, I was actually going to go to you, Brandon, go for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's so funny because in the last like two weeks, I've been messaging people in the industry and saying like, hey, Jaime, I've been feeling very upset about the design of the Pixel 3 XL. I think that notch is too big. And then it occurred to me, and, and, I, and I mentioned this last week, that there's probably a reason for the notch being so big and for the Pixel 3 XL having it and the Pixel 3 not. And I think the reason is Face ID. I think that Google is copying the feature that Apple introduced last year. And in order to do that, you need extra hardware, whether it's an extra camera or an infrared flood illuminator. And it makes sense that they would put it on the XL model and not the regular model because that's a more premium feature. So I think that the notch is big for a reason. I think it's a Touch ID competitor. Not Touch ID, Face ID. So that's what I think about the the, the big notch. But it does upset me. But it's for a reason. <laughs> well, if you're talking about Touch ID, I mean, Google Pixel already wins it because the iPhone X doesn't have it and uh, Pixel, yeah. this this would have it. So. Which is probably the number one thing that I really missed from the iPhone X personally. But um, without even getting into any of that, hopefully the Face ID uh, competitor is going to be pretty compelling, especially coming from the Google side of things. Though Face Unlock has been around in Android for a little while um, already, so it's not as if there's a huge leap happening there. There's just going to be a bit of extra technology that makes it better, I suppose. But there's one thing I wanted to mention before we move on to our next topic. Um, if you look at the contents of the box, am I the only one that absolutely adores the fact that it comes with Pixel Buds style earbuds that are USB-C? I, I just, I, I really loved the rope uh, hook design of the Pixel Buds. I'm probably the only one, but I like this a lot. <laughs> really? I mean, well, it's kind of hard to tell from the picture here that we were provided. It's white, so anything That's kind true. of looks either matte or slick if it's white. But, I mean, the general bud style of that uh, extra hoop with the pa- uh, plastic little pad thing mm-hmm. um like i don't know how that feels uh, for you it may have been the best fit for you but uh i've been hearing a lot of critical response against uh that design so i mean you know take your pick airpods or anything else that are out on the market it's just kind of you never really get a win a definitive win in this category here oh, I was Brandon. Trying to... oh. i'm sorry go ahead I was just gonna say Brandon's gonna Brandon's title of Mister Positivity. I'm giving it a run for its money because I, I, I'm I loved it. <laughs> I liked it a lot. That's to me that's such a quirky and interesting way of creating a hook design in an earbud, and I just I, I, that's the reason why I liked it so much. And it didn't it didn't hurt me at all. I know some people found it uncomfortable, but anyway, Tony, you were saying. I was uh, locked on this picture ever since I saw it, and uh, I was looking at the email address on those headphones, and I was just checking literally whether the googel.com domain actually exists. It redirects to Google. So somebody is either toying with us or somebody made a huge typo. I'm not sure what's going on there, but if anything from that picture, that particular email address I found fishy because if that's a Google email address and it's a typo then that person is going to be probably in in deep beep or if if it's not then somebody is really really playing with us 
Yeah, definitely. And speaking with uh, speaking of people just playing us all over the place. Um, okay, so we do have to move into a Huawei story that might seem a little bit familiar. <laughs> I, I I love when this happens because it gives you sort of a sneak peek into like the marketing 101 that these companies have, and whether or not you're actually very upset about the fact that Huawei seems to have doctored in a very very obvious way the front facing selfies of their phones. Uh, there was an ad that came out in Egypt for the Huawei Nova. 3. And in the ad, there's someone taking several selfies with the phone and their significant other. Well, that significant other, this lovely lady who uh, went onto social media and posted some behind-the-scenes photos of how they did this ad, kind of gave the form away. Like, <laughs> it just, just revealed... Oh, man, but those, those selfies look so good, didn't they? I was going <laughs> to say. This is the part that, that is so incredulous to me because um, I, I looked at... I watched the ad, and obviously the ad is available on YouTube. You can see it for yourself, and it's also available at the oracle at pocketnow.com. Uh, but you, what, what you'll see is this photo on um, the person's Instagram showing behind the scenes of the gentleman holding his hand out with nothing in it. <laughs> and his hand is right next to the actual camera lens, kind of like this, if you're watching the live version. Oh, that's, 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 a, nice, that's, that's a nice selfie, Josh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, okay, so uh, some hot takes on this one, but also like, I, okay, we, we obviously understand smartphones being reviewers and whatnot, but also as consumers, don't we also understand as general consumers that no selfie looks that good. <laughs> so why is it that some people would get upset at this uh, realize, without realizing that it's a marketing strategy? Why would you suspend disbelief um, that this selfie looks that good when none of them ever looked that good in the first place, even on a pixel? But anyway, general thoughts on this uh, little controversy. <sighs> you know how they have um, – how Apple has billboards on the side of major roads and in like Times Square, a billboard the size of – it's really, really big. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Do you really, and it says like shot on iPhone and it's like a scene of a mountain. Do you really think that that picture was taken on an iPhone? There's no way. It's not, it needs to be like <laughs> hundreds of megapixels, right? So like this happens all the time. I don't know why people would get upset about it. I mean, I'm sure the front facing camera on the Nova 3 is quite serviceable, especially if you have good lighting and you're not ugly. But um, like this is just so common. Why is it a surprise? Yeah, it's all about ad trades. I mean, we've seen a lot of this, uh, you know, behind the scenes for food where you stick a cotton ball soaked in water, you heat it in the microwave, and then you place it behind a bowl, and then it becomes a steaming bowl of food. Like, they use these little tricks to demonstrate or evoke uh, qualities of the product or to demonstrate a feature of that product. In, in lieu of actually having the product for one reason or another, maybe the production uh, unit has not been made available to the ad crew or something like that. So uh, you make do. And I don't think it's entirely fair that every single time we go after a company for these tactics, like there, there are some things that should be scrutinized. Like if they're making a specific performance com- um of performance uh, points, and they're using comparatives, uh, one-on-one comparisons of devices. Like that should be really taken into uh, view. That should be looked at very, very closely. Other than that, I really don't see anything here. 
<laughs> well, Anton, you you wrote you broke the news on this one, and you also got updates from Huawei themselves. You want to give yeah, us some info on that? Sure, but I want to just do a short, uh, I don't know, trip down memory lane. It was 2012, and uh, I was back then uh, just a senior editor at Pocket. Now I was covering IFA in Berlin for for the 2012 edition. And it was late in the evening because my post went up at 3-something Eastern time, which translates to like 10 p.m. in in Berlin. When I saw the first uh, Lumia, I'm not even sure what kind of Lumia ad that was, when uh, there was a clear reflection of Nokia or Nokia's ad team using a professional camera rig to film a video presentation or a video ad which was claimed to be filmed on that particular Nokia. And if my memory serves, that was the first instance where we saw either a company or an advertising company mislead us this way. And ever since then, it's become a trend. Now, I'm not saying... I'm not saying I, I approve this. I'm in in the post. I even said that I'm not even sure this was Huawei's decision. Maybe just the ad production company went the extra mile. They wanted to make a great ad, and and that's pretty much it. But yes, Huawei reached out to me just like minutes after posting that particular. Uh, article and they sent me two updates first one was a translation from arabic arabic i'm sorry to english which was a disclaimer at the end of the ad saying that uh, let me not misquote uh, that the product images and contents are provided for reference only and then the second update was that the purpose of this advertisement is to demonstrate how consumers can use the features so it's basic marketing talk of a company that knows they messed up even if it's not a direct mess up but they're now trying to just soothen or change the conversation a little bit yes they did it people did it before people will did it after them i'm not reading too much into this but i personally disagree with this kind of advertisements mm. yeah i think i think that there are very valid arguments for why this this level of uh i'll use the word trickery um is is used and wasn't there another huawei one because i was i was on a i was on a different show the other day and they talked yes. about how huawei used um it, it was huawei right that used stock yes. images yeah <laughs> Mm-hmm. And doctored those. That actually kind of made me mad because when I when I when I see that, like you're literally taking someone else's work and making it your own. Like that's something that really um, upsets me as a creator. In this case, yes, it's deceiving because it's not the phone itself, but they go through the actual process of creating the ad, which to me is is okay. That part is okay. There's a creation aspect to it. But in the other in the other case where they use the stock photo, that's just straight copying. That's just straight yeah. taking away. Uh, that that one I really didn't like. And this one, there are different so- layers to this kind of thing yeah, yeah definitely. exactly um so while the the trickery is deceiving and it's not something that we're all uh i, I would say probably everyone here is not really in support of this kind of uh, practice at the same time like I, I really the only person i really feel bad for is the actress who now no longer will ever work with huawei ever again <laughs> <laughs> that's, true. that's really my one uh, my, my one piece of sadness from this story oh, my my piece of sadness is a little bit uh, bigger larger it, it it can be basically summed up to a simple thought. We are in the business and we are watching the business closely so we know what we're talking about and we spot bullshit when we see it. But yeah. my, my mother, your sister, is watching an ad on TV or on YouTube, says, oh my God, look at the selfies this photo is creating or, or snapping. And they go buy that phone. And they snap selfie after selfie after selfie. A hundred selfies later, they return the phone because it's bad. They get a new one, a replacement, and it's still bad. Now, should I sue 
the company for mm. a misleading ad or should I never buy anything from that particular company or should I just give it a pass? This is my main dilemma because yeah. we cannot be influenced, but a typical average, not well-informed user can really be influenced by this. Well, you know, grandma who just bought the Nova 3 should have asked her grandson who <laughs> is in the <laughs> phone industry Grandson, what phone should I get? I like to make selfies. This Nova 3 looks great. Should I buy that? I saw the ad. And then you'd be like, Grandma, no. Why don't you get an iPhone or a Samsung Galaxy S9, which has a fantastic front-facing camera? And regardless of what phone you get, make sure there's enough light on your beautiful face before you take the picture or else it won't work. Also, no, Grandma, grandma you... you're a witch. You can create a better phone than that just by alchemy. <laughs> also, Grandma, what that's are you doing in Egypt? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, thoughts aside on advertisements like this, maybe we will end up seeing more of this happen because there is another phone that Huawei is slated to announce in the coming months. And we are getting, as usual, leaks uh, galore on this kind of thing. So the Mate 20 the Mate 20 Pro, the Mate 20 Lite, whatever you want to kind of speculate might be uh, getting announced or released. Um, the guys over at XDA Developers uh, commissioned and published renders of the Mate 20 based on new details and photographs that the outlet that you guys obtained from an anonymous source. Now, the device itself does have what you might be able to call a teardrop notch. It's a little bit more like the essential phones where it's really only housing the camera. Uh, and then speaking of cameras, on the rear, there is an L-shape of three different cameras. So you're still getting three, much like on the P20 Pro, but they're in a different configuration now. Uh, any thoughts or any excitement over the Mate 20, especially considering what we've seen in the P20 uh, earlier this year? <laughs> Anton's really, yes. really yes. excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm really always super excited about the full flagship from Huawei because that sets the tone for whatever we're going to see next. It's going to have the new Kirin processor, it's going to have advancements, and it's going to probably reuse all the cool stuff from the P20 Pro. I agree with most of the renders which have been published with the teardrop thing, with, with removing the fingerprint scanner and button finally from the front of the phone. What I do not agree with, and I'm going to argument it, is the back of the phone and that particular placement of the lenses. I'm probably 100% sure that the Mate 20 in its pro iteration, not maybe the, not the 20 or the 20 Lite, but the pro will have three cameras. But just think about it for a second. There's a reason why why cameras have to be aligned. Because regardless if they are horizontal or vertical, there's a difference in the vantage point, in the angle at which mm -hmm. the camera is looking at you. And if you're looking from this perspective and the other camera is looking just on an X or Y axis from a different point, that can be corrected. But if the vantage point is different on both axes, that's hard to correct because you're gonna have one snapshot from here and one from here, and that cannot be corrected. So that's yeah. that's the only thing that I'm objecting to. Uh, I'm excited. Yes, of course I'm excited. I hope I get the chance to go to the unveiling, which historically happened in Germany for the past two years, and I'm really close. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would yeah. be really uh, fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, I agree with you on the parallax situation. Uh, it's going to be harder to uh, correct for. Nonetheless, I mean, Google and other uh, tech companies are finding new ways every single day to figure out what to do with their cameras. So perhaps we might see that correction in the future. So, uh, But I don't think that's we're here at this stage right now. Uh, in any case, I don't think um, in terms of... Uh, 
that like that line of thought would be really for an, a hybrid product like if all three cameras were used at once to take uh, a picture and i don't see that happening with this setup uh, i think it's going to be most useful if we see that 41 megas or whatever like large format megapixel sensor uh as the sole uh kind of that uh odd one out as opposed to the whatever the traditional um ones that might be on one side because like we see we see that um on the meet um meet 10 no pro p20 pro we got the zoom (laughs) we got the regular and then we got the big biggie like hero uh, like a hero oh yeah there you go and yeah yeah, and Anton, uh, Anton showing it off. <laughs> yeah, let me take it out of the case. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a blast for me to put a case on this. It is. It is. I saw one recently, uh, by the way, in uh, Ukraine uh, with one, one of my friends. Like He was toning it around. It was lovely. Uh, and we had some great beers with it, too. In any <laughs> case, yeah, like I don't see that going into a hybrid product uh, for imaging. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. I, I feel like uh, I, I feel like there are some instances where multiple cameras or multiple lenses, multiple sensors, whatever you want to call it, are used together. Um, and I, I, I agree, Anton, that 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 the just even just the millimeters of off axis could end up making things a little bit difficult. But I'm, but maybe Leica slash Huawei's engineering is going to find a way to make that work. Um, I I the thing is though I don't like it either. Uh, but not even just for that reason. I just don't like how that looks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just don't like I'm, this. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah there's four holes on in the an back. L shape. Yeah, they're in an L shape, but then you have the flash right there, so it's like, uh, so it's, I don't know, it's just this big. And and you know what, these renders, um, great that they even exist. Uh, it just makes it seem like it's going to be this bulbous back. It's going to be Moto Z like almost. I, I and I don't want that at all. Like this, you you required. I'm just going to pop up the Moto Z uh, Z3 real quick, which uh, my review is almost done, by the way. It's going to be out on Pocket Now soon, so stay tuned for that. But this this hump back here, <laughs> like, you need a style cover to make this make sense, and I, and I don't like that. And if the uh, if the P20 Pro or whatever the case may be has this large hump on the back, I'm not going to be happy about that whatsoever. Uh, Brandon, any thoughts on this? It also has, uh, uh, by the way, speaking of high-end features for the flagship from Huawei, 4,200 milliamp hour battery? I mean, I... Just saying that that could be a that could be amazing. Um, yeah, I'm also um, kind of um, made uncomfortable by the L-shaped triple camera system. <laughs> but actually, you know what I'm starting to realize? This triple camera thing is like a thing, and it's going to stay. I don't know if you guys saw the leak for the V40. Mm-hmm. That's another triple camera system arranged horizontally, which actually I think looks awesome, very badass. Um, I don't think that the, the fact that the cameras are arranged like an L are a problem for taking pictures. I can, I, they can fix that probably very easily with software, just compensate for the, for the distance. Um, but this triple camera thing is a thing, and I just hope that you know the OCD in me wants them to be aligned vertically or horizontally, not in an L shape. I mean, why don't they put them in a triangular shape? Can you imagine how <laughs> horrific that would be? Looks like Brainiac. Yeah. <laughs> the light L16 has been mentioned many times on this podcast. Oh, As my the abomination it is, I am not going to uh, go further than that. Also, um, uh, you know what would have been helpful here if we got on George, George uh, Berdouli, who uh, wrote up the original article on this. But um, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think... Um, I don't think he's available right now. Maybe I'll talk to him later. Well, feel uh, free to... to uh, oh, sorry. Go for it. 
I, I was just about to say one thing. Uh, uh, to your point, Brandon, um, yes, I, I agree with you, and apparently analysts uh, agree with you as well. I posted something yesterday. It was uh, analyst reports, industry sources, all the kind of pieces I, I hate writing because I don't trust analysts and industry sources, but the trend has been set. And I think that, as you mentioned, everybody will follow. And as that particular report mentioned, triple cameras will become a standard moving forward on flagship smartphones. Just like double double cameras are now the standard. Yes. And it took, the first double camera that mattered was the iPhone 7 Plus, which was 2016. So it took about two years, just like the fingerprint sensor with the iPhone 5S, it took about two years for, you know, all of the major manufacturers to follow that. So um, what's interesting about the triple camera thing, just as a final note about that, is that it's not, it's not Apple leading the way. It's, it's Huawei, and Huawei has a lot of influence. But then again, um, when did Apple lead the way in, in, in technological advancements? But is it doing it? It's always Apple doesn't lead, but it does it better. And yes, has, been, has it been able? Has it been able to argue this point uh, in recent times with its double camera feature? I it don't makes think a lot so. of Arguably sense not, to be yeah. this. It makes a lot of sense to be the second person to step on on ice just to see if it breaks under the first person. So it, it makes sense to do it that way, and it doesn't necessarily mean Apple is a follower, but it has been proven that whenever Apple does something second or third, they not necessarily do it better, but they find a way to make it more exciting and useful, more appealing to the public. That's well, fair. more mainstream. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Mm. Maybe one of these yeah. days we'll do a deep dive into like what we would prefer out of our smartphone cameras. I will just put down two quick things. Number one, more wide angle, please. And speaking of which, if we're going to put a lot of work in the rear cameras and even adding more cameras to the back, why don't we put this level of work into the front facing camera? I can't. The number one thing that I hate in any smartphone is a too narrow front facing camera. I'm a vlogger. Oh, yeah. And if you can only see this. When I take a photo on the front-facing camera, I need to be able to show more like this. I mean, no, 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 no. That's all you need to see. That's a, like this little uh, format of uh, like the face. A face. Of, in <laughs> fact, I would prefer it if the vlog actually just masked my face and tracked it and normalized its it's motion. A, it's a so, video log, not a not a face log. I got the log. perfect solution for you, Josh. <laughs> I got the perfect solution back and I don't know what it was. I Since I reviewed most of the Sony Xperia phones in pocket now, I of course reviewed the Xperia Z5 Premium, which was the first 4K smartphone, Ooh. and I had the uh, mirror finish. It was Ooh. a breeze to take selfies with the back camera because it was mirror on the back. So you there basically you could easily frame yourself. That's your, that's your vlogging phone, my friend. Yeah, I would love to try. I would love to try that out, and and little things like that, little details like that, just ma just matter to me. And I, I like phones that actually pay that attention. We were hey talking guys, about just a hmm? just a little a little bit of trivia. Um, what was the first? What was the first and only phone to have OIS on the front facing camera? Uh, HTC. Uh, the HTC exactly. <laughs> which you know what i loved like that's that level fun. of detail it's, it's it's something that is very it's something that's not really found in front-facing cameras too often these days and, and it should um okay we were talking about dual cameras earlier and we were talking about the iphone let's talk about the iphone 10 a little bit um so some analysts in the tech world uh can can usually see when a phone is going to get really popular uh, especially when it's uh, at its release but it seems like a lot of them were for the most part a little bit wrong about the iphone 10 it did not sell like hotcakes like they expected 
However, it seems that uh, the sales of the iPhone X are kind of on an upward trend, which is kind of the worst time for it to happen because a new iPhone is slated to be announced in the next couple of months. <laughs> well, so, here's the thing about the whole situation. It's like no one can agree on what's actually happening with iPhone sales because we see the supply chain reports say, mm-hmm. oh, we have so many parts left in these bins. What are we going to do with them? And then you have Apple, which goes on you know, every uh, earnings call to say the iPhone 10 has outsold every other model every week in your entire life. <laughs> you should know that. <laughs> like, like that that's the dissonance that we're seeing here and it's kind of crazy to be talking about this uh, especially as the numbers might have disappointed analysts a bit but the general kind of feeling and flow of the the iPhone 10 has been that it's fairly popular and to hear uh this new street uh research house uh analyst to talk about how this popularity of the iphone 10 which is said to be going out of production soon to make way for the new iphones yeah. is going to have this popularity bump is going to have a negative impact both for the current uh well the, the upcoming year as well as the year after that so in the 2019 fiscal year for Apple, which starts in the holiday quarter, uh, they, I believe the number is uh, 10% uh, b- uh, lower revenues uh, below the consensus, consensus of Wall Street. And then for 2020, uh, earnings per share is going to go down 6% below uh, average projections. So that's the summary for that. Um, I don't know how to really feel about that. I mean... Could this be a... Could this be a strategy moving forward that when you release a phone, you're expecting a year later for it to, <laughs> to actually hit? Because no, our smart, I, we've been saying that our smartphones are getting really good. So obviously, like people are still using the, let's say, Galaxy S8 to great effect, you know, and the iPhone 10 could be a very relevant phone. It just takes a while for it to actually stick. Obviously, this is wishful thinking on the part of a company to be able to do that kind of strategy. But maybe that's what's happening with the iPhone 10. I think I think there's there's a lot of logic and common sense behind what's happening with the iPhone 10, which I cannot say for what the analyst says. And let me address both of them. I think that the iPhone 10 is selling well, particularly at this moment in time, because of two reasons. Number one, we knew from the get-go that the iPhone 10 will be an anniversary edition. It will be the 10-year of iPhone, and Apple will probably discontinue it after producing the initial batch which instantly boosted its resale value. Number two, since we are so close to the new iPhones, the iPhone 10 is becoming cheaper and cheaper to purchase. So more and more people who wanted to buy it in the first place are looking at the iPhone 10 now. So that explains a boost now towards the end of the cycle for a phone, which Apple will no longer do ever. The iPhone 10 is unique. That's the explanation. As far as the analyst and, and the report is going, It doesn't make sense in my mind to say that the new iPhones will not sell because the old iPhone was popular. It's like saying the Note 9 will sell less because the Note 8 was popular. It doesn't make sense in my mind and my logic and my brain is just breaking in two. If somebody can explain this to me, please go ahead. But I I don't (laughs) find any logic in this. Well, I mean, you know, it depends on how many how many people in the upgrade pool, the eligible upgrade pool have uh, been able to say, all right, this is what I want. And uh, I'm going to go with it for the next 24 to 30 months or whenever the next upgrade is. And um, whenever that number kind of, you know, it it always goes up and down. uh, But you know, if there has been an average, if there's been an 
aberration in the trend going up, then um, that's kind of what they use to tell. So perhaps that might be uh, the situation we're dealing with. I'm not exactly sure. In terms of uh, the iPhone X itself, I mean, we've been looking forward to uh, the iPhone 9, I've been calling it. Some people have been calling it the iPhone XS or like, no, no, the LCD model is what we're talking about here. And no, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm confusing myself here because there's let me, the 5.8. Let, let me let me take it over. So uh, we've had the eight and the eight plus. It will make sense knowing Apple to have the eight S and the eight S plus. But Apple already has an iPhone ten. So the discussion is whether we will have an eight S, we will have a ten S, we will have a nine. It doesn't really matter. These are the 2018 iPhones, regardless if it's going to be the iPhone 25 or the iPhone 44. The question is <laughs> why shouldn't people purchase the new iPhone? Because the iPhone X is popular. Because, and again, I'm stressing this. No, I was about to say, uh, the 5.8-inch model has been told by many, many sources, rumors and otherwise, that it will be the exact, it will be identical, even down to dimensions, to the iPhone X. It's going to have OLED screen, it's got a 5.8-inch screen, it's going to have new internals, of course, which, uh, but like, does that really, what's the meaning to that, though? What except, is the meaning to that? Except it's not the iPhone 10, it's not the anniversary edition, and it's not a so-called limited edition phone, which to many, including to me, means a lot. Because just the same way I've held on to my 808 Pureview and my 920 and my 1020, all the phones which are milestones mean something to either their owners, their users, or their company. So I think that the iPhone 10 is in a situation, Apple is in a situation with the iPhone 10 where they can say years and years later that that was the 10th anniversary and people loved it, not because of the AMOLED screen or because we removed the Touch ID home button, but because it was the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. That's the one that's going to get into the glass case, right? <laughs> yeah. Just any to, uh, any just thoughts, to, Brandon? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, just to jump in real quick. Um, one way to understand the popularity of a device is to very simply look around you. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I noticed that when the iPhone X came out, all of the end of 2017 and the first half of 2018, I barely saw the phone. But now I see it pretty frequently, um, maybe because, as Tony says, the prices are going down, people are realizing that it's a special edition. But I think it's just because people were waiting to see who, you know, if it's any good. So the early adopters kind of picked it up in the in the end of 2017, early 2018, and now they're out in the wild enough for for like grandma to be like, oh, that looks cool, and and I haven't heard my grandson complain about that phone, so I'm going to get that phone, and so sales kind of accelerate as there are more phones in the field, more people buy them because it's like advertising. And, and one more, more thing. sales coming in, yeah. Go ahead. When when the iPhone 10 launched, Brandon, it was the first and the only mainstream phone which had a $1,000 price tag. Now there are at least two or three others. So the shock factor, the, the wow factor, the surprise factor is no longer a deciding factor on whether I'm going to buy that or not. Of course, I'm going to go for an iPhone 10 one year later to just purchase it for $750 instead of $1,000 at launch day. But... It is no longer the only $1,000 phone out there. And I'm not talking the about the Lamborghini and Rolls-Royce editions and, and so on. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah the yeah, virtues the of the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just one more thing, and that's, uh, you know, even price has uh, less to do with it these days. I know that so so 
very few people proportionally uh, go uh, buy phones that are on sale uh, just for the fact that, you know, sales only happen in a short period. But, like, they're looking for bargains. They're looking for depreciation because that's what time does. And uh, they might be searching on, on, like, different markets or even uh, marketplaces such as Swappa. Go to Swappa.com to trade in your iPhone. Uh, That was the (laughs) obligatory plug that I... Hashtag, uh, hashtag. (laughs) Plug or no plug, uh, you're right. I mean, even before we looked at Swappa's listings... I have personally written about a report saying that the iPhone 10 is about the only phone which is retaining more than 75 to 80 percent of its resale value. Mm. So that 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 has to mean something, and not necessarily to those who own it, but to the rest. Because I can easily ask for 900 dollars for my phone if nobody's going to pay that. But if somebody's willing to pay 80 percent of its original value, then it means that the perception, the wide perception, is in agreement with that. Mm-hmm. And whether you have an iPhone 7, 8, or 10, um, when the iPhone, ne- the next iPhone gets announced, the prices on all of those will plummet. So, like, you know, yeah. it is a good time to sell. Yeah, definitely. Uh, would, wouldn't it be nice, though, if we were having conversations as deep as this that we have with the iPhone, that we have with the Samsungs of the world? Wouldn't it be nice if we had these conversations about a brand like Nokia. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we could get a little bit of that love on there? Um, because the Nokia 7 Plus is actually getting a bit of that love. As uh, we move on to our next story, where uh, apparently the Nokia 7 Plus was awarded the best consumer smartphone of the year uh, by the Expert Imaging and Sound Association. Now, if you don't really, if you're not really familiar with that association, don't worry. Neither am I. <laughs> Uh, so the Nokia 7 Plus, um, if you could, if, forgive me for not remembering the library here at Pocket Now, but uh, did you guys do a review of the Nokia 7 Plus here? No, we had a hands-on at the uh, MWC, but we never got to review the phone. Ah, gotcha. Uh, apparently, uh, there are certain aspects of this device that are very special. Uh, there's reliability, elegant operating system. It does get some marks because it has the fastest, uh, well, one of the fastest update cycles. But the reason why is because it's using Android 1 in the first place. Uh, and apparently, uh, in an event in India, the Nokia 7 Plus is going to uh, get the official Pi image in September. Mm-hmm. So it's actually going to be Android Pi as well, one of the few by September. Uh, any thoughts on the Nokia 7 Plus? I, I think I do remember it was MWC that we saw it. I did like it a lot, I will admit. But is it enough to call it like the best phone of the year in August? I'd like... I'd like to go last because I have some notes which are not related to the Nokia phone itself, but to EISA. So please take it oh, away. Oh, okay. Um, did any of you other guys, uh, Brandon and Jules, did you take a look at this phone at all? Like, have you been able to like hold it or anything like that? I was just barely able to hold it. Uh, I liked the construction on it and it was just fine for, let's say like a 250 to $300 ish phone. And it's great. I mean, um, it was no all- Scirocco. Yeah. Yeah, it was no Shigaraka, it was no <laughs> like pretty thing, but you know, stock software, fast updates. This has been the tech enthusiast's dream. They've been clamoring for this kind of thing, and they have finally got it, and it seems like this uh, validation has come from uh, ESA. Uh, so, like, this is what they've been uh, hoping for for all, all along, and someone has come to uh, save them. So a savior has come. Brendan, what what was the last Nokia you've ever used? Oh, jeez. 
Um, a few years ago, there was I wanted to try Windows Phone one last time. And there was like on Amazon, they had like a $149 Nokia. Oh, geez, I forget what it was. It was some Nokia Windows phone, and I returned it because there were literally no apps for it. Uh, but the 7 Plus, <laughs> I think the 7 Plus looks really nice, and I haven't held mm-hmm. one, but it's good to hear that Jules says that it, it has good construction. It reminds me of the Note 7, the way it has like a, a, ch- a chin and a forehead and just like an immersive display in the center. I think it's a really beautiful design. And the fact that the Android updates are fast make it really compelling. Mm. And now, Amazon, I feel like you're going to blow the lid off of this story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, again, I have the utmost respect for EISA. And according to Wikipedia, uh, it's a collaboration between different multimedia magazines that offer tests of cameras, video cameras, and so on. So they're fellow journalists. But I would like to ask you guys one thing. What's the difference between a consumer smartphone and a smartphone? I mean, I'm looking at their website now, and while we do see the Nokia 7 Plus, the best consumer smartphone, the best smartphone is the Huawei P20 Pro. What's the difference between a consumer smartphone and Mm. the best smartphone? That's question number one, and the only reason why I'm in doubt about this. Again, with all due respect to EISA. Number two, and this is probably another thing which makes my mind just crack into and my logic just go out the window it's the same thing like in the usa with the cars you're talking about a 2019 model in 2018 how can you eisa or any other publication for that matter call a smartphone in 2018 the best product for 2019 because it's best product 2018 2019 I mean, there's so many phones to come out even this year. It's the Pixel, it's the iPhones, you name it. You cannot call a best product 2018-2019 for a consumer smartphone, the Nokia, and the best product 2018-2019 as a best smartphone, the Huawei, because the two categories don't make sense in my mind, and it doesn't make sense for you to call a phone the best phone for next year, this year. Uh, That's the lid, there it goes. Wow. <laughs> this your first seem... question. Oh, I was, I was just about to say, this does feel like, yeah, I, I love the automobile industry analogy there because maybe that is where we're going because literally in the car industry, you have a new model every single year and it could be this car, this model 2019, this car, this model 2020, that kind of thing. And that's kind of where smartphones have gone in the last few years. So this trend might be starting. This might be a sign of that starting. Uh, And whether or not that's a good thing, I mean, it it depends on how much weight you put on awards like this. Uh, But anyway, Brandon. Yeah, um, Tony, you were just asking, what's the difference between a consumer phone and just a regular phone? And I think it just comes down to price. Like consumer, more price-friendly, uh, just a regular phone is like kind of more like if you're using your phone for, for work, you will spare no expense and uh, you're willing to pay more money. And the, um, you know, the P20 Pro, much more expensive than the, the Nokia. I'm totally with you, but wouldn't have been easier and more transparent to call the Nokia 7 Plus the best mid-range or budget or affordable smartphone and the P20 Pro the best flagship high-end expensive smartphone it would have been in my mind in my logic a lot more straightforward i agree but that's not how people on the street talk like my brother that has the iphone 10 isn't like hey check out my my high-end my flagship and hey 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 
Buddy, over there, you got the mid-ranger, don't you? This is the best street and, talk and, I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, a little, little known fact about Philadelphia. So there is an intersection that I have uh, wanted to visit, uh, and this has been pointed out by um, the Facebook group New Urbanist Memes for Transit-Oriented <laughs> Teens, uh, that the, there is a, there's an intersection of, I believe it's 69th Street and Dix Avenue. 69th oh, yeah. and dicks <laughs> which is awesome talk about street talk right um mm-hmm. well okay so not to really cut anybody off brandon if you had one more point i wanted to make sure that you had it now that's it i'm gonna next podcast i'm gonna go to 69th and dicks just for trolls. yeah <laughs> and just yeah, cast exactly there. <laughs> all right so um we do have to uh we are going to get into our deep dive topic uh in a second but we are going to have a tiny break one thing that i do want to mention though is that anton has a bit of a harder out uh, on this show so in about five minutes he's going to be on his way out which is perfect for me to ask you in this little break that we have before our final uh our final portion of the show can you give us like it's been ten years that you've been here at Pocket now, and um, are there any sort of stories or memories that you want to share from that long history that you have with this company? Oh, there's there's plenty of stories. We we don't have enough time <laughs> for those stories. For, starting from the first message I received from Brandon when I was uh, an active user in XD Developers to come and write for a website, all the way through uh, working with Evan Blass of Leaks. Uh, to becoming managing editor and then to taking over Pocket Now and then to take a step back and focus more on content now. All the way through everybody with whom I've worked with, whether it's a client, a partner, a colleague, and by colleagues, I mean, I don't know, all the people that, that were here with us, even on the podcast. I mean, if I come to think about the podcast, I've podcasted with uh, Evan Blass, and I'm talking only about hosts now. Evan Blass, Brandon Miniman, Michael Fisher, Stephen Shank, Jules Wong, and now Joshua Vergara. And I've been a host myself several times. I'm not even going to go into all the EFAs where I said that it's going to be my last EFA and the MWC. So it's it's been a long, <laughs> it's been a long and interesting ride. And uh, as I said in my tweets and in my Facebook updates on social media, I'm so, so thankful to everybody who has been here with me in these 10 years because it's been it's been 10 interesting years. There have been challenges. There were uh, good times and bad times. But what matters is that we are here, a community, talking to our big community, and that makes me feel like I'm home. Whether I'm mm-hmm. talking to Brandon, whether I'm talking to you, Josh, who are the newest member of my family, that's that's how I feel every time I, I talk to you guys. That I'm I'm home. Mm. Where's my Kleenex? I, to go. <laughs> 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 I need a tissue for that. Uh, that was really awesome. And and you know what? It's 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 going to be great because like no matter um, no matter where you might be in however many years down the road, like I feel like. Anybody who is new to the team, and right now I'm the uh, I'm probably the newest member. I would the, the the newest members would come to you for like the history and for a lot of like the old stories and just ways of knowing like the history of of a place like Pocket Now. And I didn't realize that the 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 symbiotic relationship between Pocket Now and XDA was so strong even way back when. 
Yes, I, I, I started off as, as an XDA developer's senior moderator, and that was a popular ROM chef back in the day. So, uh, yeah, it, it, back then it was Pocket Now and some other media outlets, which started off really, really early. And there was XDA developers, the only place where somebody could talk to somebody else who was probably interested in the same things as, as you were and have a normal debate about something, which was mm-hmm. usually how to take out your stylus and tap on a huge icon on a 320 by 240 screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll always remember those uh, those ROM talks on XDA developers back yeah. in the day. Um, well, it's it's, uh, it's speaking just as the newest member and one of the younger members of the team, like it's, uh, it's an honor to be with someone who's been such a veteran here so thank you for all the work that you've done as well thank you for making me feel i'm older than i am (laughs) i was trying to think of the right like word and phrase and then for lack of a better term the only word that could come up was like i respect the seniority but then that's kind of (laughs) 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 that's a little bit severe too um all right awesome so uh yeah uh i do want to continue our check-in a little bit thank you again anton and and here's thank you for many more years um, and uh, whenever you feel like you need to uh, to pop off, uh, feel free to do so. I wanted to check in with Jules and uh, Brandon. How have things been since our last episode? Jules, I think, is who I really want to hear from because we really oh, missed boy. you last week. <laughs> okay. Um, we tried our best. <laughs> where you been? No, I'm very glad that you did. And you put out a very good show in my place. I mean, uh, I've been checking the ratings for that, and it's been doing exceptionally well so congratulations you guys uh in any case uh uh, my travels have been going well after leaving new york a couple weeks ago decided to go to uh, dublin well i didn't decide to go but i planned out a trip centered on a wedding in kiev that i had to attend i was honored to be invited and i was glad to uh be able to you know call this guy a friend he's uh, actually uh the ceo of eve tech which made the eve computer the crowdsourced spec computer that was also crowdfunded it got backing from microsoft and whatnot so like you know for him to have invited me the only me, like media guy the only u.s guy that he really uh you know knows like that was interesting and um i made sure that i did this whole operation as cheaply as possible so that meant integrating the uh note nine thing going on there and then making sure that i either had places to stay in dublin or in London that were cheap. I actually here, this is actually all my friends work from my childhood friend who happened to be uh, planning a trip to the London anyways and wanted to be here for the first time. So like he just gave me the, um, this Airbnb uh, for free. Uh, so I'm very fortunate to uh, be doing this right here, right now. And the Sky Internet here. Sky is doing pretty good for uh, this podcast. So, yeah, it does look pretty good. And uh, you've been yeah. you've been just literally touring Europe, and it's it's awesome that uh, it's awesome to see that. So thank you for being able to join us despite being out and about right now. Um, yeah. Finally, we'll fly we'll back tomorrow. Up. Oh, there you go. We'll have a good trip. Um, and. Uh, Oh, Anton's on his way out. Thank you again, yes. Anton. Yes, thank you very much for having me. And one last thing, uh, Jules, hashtag shave that mic. <laughs> shave that mic. Shave the mic. Shave that <laughs> thank you guys for having me. See you, Tony. No problem. Bye. Later, man. See you later. All right, uh, Brandon, quick check-in from you before we get to our main topic for today. Yeah, so I got the Note 9 here. I got it yesterday. And um, <laughs> pull the I, trigger, man, huh? I just, yeah, I had to. Well, that's um, right. You messaged me about this. Like, uh, the what, what was the phrasing that you did? The world something wins again, or whatever. Like, 
<laughs> I just I just had to. Anyway, um, well, like people like like both Jaime and Josh were trying to convince you not to jump from the one plus six because you had already made the investment. So like like this was a surprise. Hey, check out how my recents look. Oh my god! Look awesome? at that parallax scrolling. That's so cool. So um, I just made a video that I have to edit, and it takes me four times longer to edit a video than you guys. Um, on how to speed up the Note 9. So there's a bunch of things you could do to make it faster. But there's an app that so many people forget about. It's called Good Luck 2018. Oh, which yeah. Let, which like has been so much improved that it allows you on the Note 9 and any Samsung phone to add gesture control from the side. So swipe over and down goes home. Swipe over goes back. Swipe up goes to your recents, which is great because you mm. can hide the, notific- the, the nav bar on the bottom and still use gestures. Uh, it also lets you change the look and the feel of the recents, which is what I just showed you, into like a carousel-like thing. And I know it's kind of foo-foo, but it's fun and different. Um, it lets you customize the lock screen and do a lot of other like deeper like UI changes to a Samsung phone. And it's called Good, Good Lock 2018. And if you've got a Note 9 or really like any Samsung phone, it's really worth checking out. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do. That bit about the swiping would have made the perfect segue, but um, like I just had one more thing to say, and that's uh, like going to like you tap on the developer settings or the kernel, whatever they can get into developer settings, and then you go into all the animation uh, logs and then set that to either like scale half time or no animation. And yep. That's another cool way to just you know get rid of all that fluff. When you uh, and that's one of the things I mentioned in the video. But if you go to zero animations, because this system needs time to draw the app on the screen, it can actually mm. feel more laggy. So that's why I think 0.5 is good. And actually, if you know how to use ADB with Android uh, developer tools, you can change this, the animations to any um, variable. So like if you want to go 0.25, you can do that. And that's super fast, um, but not, not zero. So... You're right. That's a very good one that a lot of people also forget about, screen animations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of tweaks, uh, we are moving into a phone that has a pedigree of software tweaks and software enhancements. Speaking of launchers and whatnot, uh, it's a little bit of the MIUI in a new, brand new brand. I love that phrase. I keep using it. It's a brand new <laughs> brand from Xiaomi. It's called... Poco or Poco phone. Um, it's a little bit different because in, in in India, I kept hearing that the brand is just Poco. It's not Poco phone. Um, mm. So there's a little bit of a mix up here. But well, I mean, your, your phone just as well as mine uh, has the tramp stamps that says a uh, Poco phone on it. So yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Hey. Oh, they can go like straight up over here. But the thing is, yeah. I have to refocus. Um, uh, the Poco phone F1 um, and. Jules and I, as we have just revealed, have been using this phone for a little while. Um, I unfortunately, just, you know, cards on the table, I haven't been able to give the phone the quality time it deserves, but I did do a first impressions video of it over on my channel. Meanwhile, Jules wrote an article about it at pocketnow.com. So I'm going to go ahead and pop it over to you, Jules, and give us your reactions on this really interesting device. So Specifically, uh, yeah. can you show me... <laughs> about <laughs> no can you show me out of the room no 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 no, no. how no, long have you been waiting fine. to do that brandon <laughs> uh about 20 minutes can you talk about the ca- the camera please because no one's no one's really talked that much about the camera and it seems like such a good lower priced phone if the camera is good 
to that well, note, I mean, uh, to that note, I will say yeah. real quick. Sorry, Jules. Um, that that's the reason why I didn't want to give my final thoughts on the phone yet because I do want to give the camera as much time as possible so I can actually see how it would perform. Uh, but anyway, Jules, well, I'm not even sure we have final software yet because I believe this was supposed to be launching with uh, MIUI 10, and uh, what we have on here is MIUI uh, 9.6. Nine. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, the other thing, too, is that they have an infrared camera, selfie camera for facial authentication. That has not been activated yet, so we can't use that feature yet. We would love to, um, uh, uh, although uh, at least uh, consumer launch time, that feature still won't be available. So I guess we could uh, do apples to apples on that. But in any case, I've been using this phone uh, with multiple SIMs from Ireland and even Project 5. Right now it's on uh, Project 5 for the past uh, 12, 13 days. Uh, It's been providing great connections for me with that uh, Snapdragon 845, that integrated Snapdragon X820. Modem, yes, yeah. correct. Uh, Qualcomm, thank you for that. And uh, it's been performing just well. I mean, this 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 does have the analogs to the Note Nine, the Galaxy Note Nine, because it has it touts a liquid cooling system with that copper stripe going somewhere. I haven't seen <laughs> teardowns of this device yet, so uh, it's uh, to anyone's guess uh, how that exactly works or how. You know what kind of uh, numbers they produce, uh, but it's been I, I haven't seen any hangups uh, on this six gigabyte model, six gigabyte RAM, so uh, it's been doing all right for me. And um, yeah, like uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff in terms of MIUI that we could talk about. Uh, a lot of the changes that they've already made, even though it's not final software, are have been baked into 9.6, this version, this Poco launcher here. And Mm -hmm. it does have those full screen gestures so that you remove the navigation bar. Of course, you can still have it. It's an option, but uh, you can swipe up to go home, swipe and hold up, uh, and then you'll get multitasking, and then swipe from the sides for back. Uh, Either way, you you just go back, Um, which... I really got used to quickly. I'm dual wielding with the Pixel 2, and I found myself swiping from the sides and trying to, <laughs> why is it not going back? Like, that felt very, very natural for me. It does suck, though, that it does interfere with uh, a lot of the side menu um, interfaces on apps. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. like, when I when I use a Gboard and I want to swipe from the back space button in order to remove full words sometimes i hit back on accident and it's yeah yeah you have to be kind of careful about that and um again you know i'm going to be there are certain things that in the tech world people understand me as i'm the smartwatch skeptic for one Mm -hmm. and number two i'm also the uh guy that hates full screen gestures so (laughs) it's just gonna be my hot take on those um but speaking of hot takes like here is here is one angle that i wanted to ask you guys and and brandon Brandon, from being uh, from being on the outside looking in, since you're not using this phone, um, you see the spec sheet. You see what's possible here. I suppose it's not going to be the biggest surprise that Xiaomi is able to put all of these high-end specifications on phones that are supposed to be more affordable. They've done it with their Mi series quite a bit. Um, and even with a phone that has ceramic, even with phones that have ceramic, it's still probably better priced than most other flagships generally. So Xiaomi is, they know what they're doing in this case. And with Poco phone, with the F1, uh, they're actually undercutting it even more with the phone that's $300 and it has the 845. So my question to you guys is this hot take that people seem to have, um, at least from the preliminary outset, the flagship killer killer, 
Like, does this does this strike you as at all even close to that type of moniker? Um, that's why I wanted to know what you guys uh, thought about the camera, and I appreciate that it's too soon uh, to give your take on the camera because my my thinking was that. For a while, for most of this year, the best budget phone, if you care about camera, build quality, performance, and that kind of thing, was the Honor 7X, which you could get for like $199. Um, The camera on that is very good for the price. And so, but but I think the specifications of the Poco phone are are very impressive. And so, whether it's the full package, um, you know, relates to whether the camera is any good. And I've never used a Xiaomi phone. so I, I, I don't know how, how they perform. Like, I used the Vivo Next recently, and I was just super impressed with how... I've never used a Vivo phone. Super impressed with how that phone's camera was. So I wouldn't be surprised if I and you guys were surprised by the camera. So in terms of the camera, let's... Uh, we'll go with the selfie camera first. Uh, 20 megapixels. I have uh, thoughts on this, uh, Bryn, in the uh, First Impressions article that I put down. And I also have some... Um, photos, which uh, some of them are in the wrong orientation, and I can't do anything about that because the back end is acting up weird. So no. thank you, WordPress, for some <laughs> reason. Um, but in any case, uh, 20 megapixels, uh, there are still a lot of the features that you would expect out of a MIUI thing, such as uh, beautification, AI uh, sort of thing. You got the portrait mode for extra bokeh features. And um, in terms of uh, you know being able to execute those features, it, it does a mediocre job on that. I'll be honest. Um, there there is kind of an Asian syndrome thing going on too, mm-hmm. because if you set the beautify mode um, at all to any level, uh, you'll get whiter skin, you'll get softer, but more, more importantly, whiter skin, and that's. Uh, I mean, I understand wow. at least initially that we're dealing with the Indian market, and you know, as much as we don't like it, or as much as there are ethical questions, that's a wow. feature that's in high demand. Look at that! Look at that, Josh! Look at that you, guy! You look, look, how, per- look how light-skinned I am in this photo. Oh like my! This, and the thing is, like, as as American users, as Western users, this I think is... your T zone was like the whitest <laughs> in that. Wow. As I attempt to refocus on myself over here, there you go. Uh, the the thing is that. Um, this is something that if you've ever used a Xiaomi phone before, you come to expect and any Asian phone in general. And, you know, far be it for me to be that Western user that says this is not what I want out of my selfie cameras. But you know what? It's it is a marker that they're hitting. And that's almost to their credit because they're they're managing to put a 20 megapixel camera on here that gives the users in the markets this phone will be coming out in exactly what they want, which is softening, which is lighter skin, uh, beauty modes and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I can't I, I want to knock it, but I still understand why it's there. <laughs> do you guys do you guys know why? Like this might be a really stupid question, but why do these phones that tend to come from the Asian uh, side of the world have this very heavy skin smoothing beauty mode. What's the story? The simple answer is demand. And um, for a lot of the users who are on networks like WeChat or um, I'm trying to remember what the name of some other uh, networks are, but WeChat is like one of the biggest one in China. 
uh, if you look at any photos of a user on WeChat, they, what they're looking for is to um, is to soften and to uh, remove blemishes or anything like that. Like the beauty industry in Asia is so prevalent that it even bleeds into our smartphones in the digital wow, space. Yeah. Uh, a good um, blog to follow, by the way, is the Shanghaiist. Uh, they've been hmm. posting uh, lots of photos, uh, lots of uh, video, like time-lapse videos from Weibo, uh, showing off uh, these uh, girls that you know start off you know bleary-eyed, like they've just woken up. And then they go through a whole transformation process. Like those videos have been very popular recently and they've been just popping up like wildflowers. Yeah, th- this could wow. be this could be in and of itself a deep dive that we could do on a different show, uh, on, on, a, on a different episode, because it is a big topic. And it's something that I think Western users like myself have had to struggle understanding a little bit. And I wouldn't know this if I wasn't dating somebody who is from the Philippines, who is from that market, who understands that. Because um, whereas people like us would review these phones and look at like, oh, the front-facing camera has good detail, uh, it does a pretty good job, she would actually review it in terms of how well it applies its beauty modes. So if if her skin was way too waxy, then she would say it's a bad front-facing camera. And you know what? People look for that. Man, I really need beauty mode, I'm telling you guys. I'm going to keep it on now. (laughs) Let me give you a... Let me give you an example of what a bad beauty mode would be. A bad beauty mode would take away your five o'clock shadow. And and, like that's a bad beauty mode. It's too much. Um, And on the flip side, a bad beauty mode would also be too much detail because it's not doing anything. So there are users who want beauty mode in the front facing camera who would probably go for something like the Poco phone who wouldn't like the front facing camera of the Pixel 2. Because it's too detailed. Because it's not. Because it doesn't hide. It, it's. It, this is a very odd conversation to sort of skirt. Because yes, the point of the beauty mode is to hide your imperfections, and there is there. It is a problematic phrase to use, but ultimately that is what is in demand in Asia. Anyway, we've gone off tangent in this case, but that's um, interesting. This is the front-facing camera that we're talking about. Any thoughts on the rear-facing camera, Jules, that you can share? Because I don't have it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in terms of the rear-facing camera. Um, I'm not sure if I'm at uh, if I was clear to you know talk about what their internal benchmarking standards were like. Um, so like uh, I was very vague in terms of what they want to aim for. Uh, we do have what's considered um, the uh, something from last year. It's the sensor that used the Sony IMX three six three, I believe, and it, you know it takes decent enough photos. Um, you know, I think. If you were to describe it, you know, it's like it's firmly within its price back, uh, bracket in terms of uh, camera performance. Um, a lot more HDR activity going on than I would like to see. Um, and uh, low light is kind of on and off, hit and miss. I was able to show off uh, one of the photos, which was of the bride. Uh, just caught in a good spotlight and she was like, yeah, she was dancing. She was uh, <laughs> feeling her best. So like there are some moments where it shines, but more often than not, like if you're even subject to any slight jitter, uh, it's uh, yeah, meh. Yeah. It, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those situations. And I think this is so common in our industry where even though the price uh, is, is something that can mitigate these issues that you see in the camera, we can't look past what it's unable to do. And I would implore everybody to sort of think about this phone in a different sense. Um, this is probably the phone that every Android Go user wished that they could get for that price. <laughs> you know, because $300 out in India is 
just just in general, that's a really great price to have for a phone that has the best possible specifications that you can get right now. And even users here in the U.S., here in North America, would kill to have this phone. And there are a lot, there are a lot of users out there who actually don't really care about the camera as much as you think. It, as reviewers, we are tasked with looking at everything laterally. Like the camera is going to be weighed upon as much as the specifications. But the thing is, for a lot of users out there, it's a little bit more weighted. So I would say that the reason why this phone excites me so much is because if I know somebody who is not going to be taking photos that end up on Instagram, that end up on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, what may, what, what have you, but they want a phone that they can rely upon for probably the next year or so, granted they don't break it or drop it, this is going to be, this would be my first recommendation and it would be an easy one to make. It's also a good burner phone if you want to keep things private. <laughs> Fair. Um, I do. I, I do agree that uh, it's a little bit hard to 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 talk about it in final terms because we don't have final software yet. Um, MIUI 10. I'm actually excited for because we got Jules and I uh, were together during our meeting with them, and MIUI 10 looked pretty dope. And I'm, I'm I'm just I want that to to arrive before I give any final verdicts on this. But as of right now, if this is something that we're going to see more often in 2019, have at it. Have at it. I want to see more. I want to see more cheaper phones with high-end specifications make it clear to us that the things that matter the most to us don't have to be one thousand dollars um because what you're going to end up paying for for a phone that's over six hundred dollars is the overall package but if you're just looking for very specific things to be stellar you can get a three hundred dollar phone yeah and you can pay the extra three hundred dollars three hundred dollars for the camera (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) as one um famous youtuber once said, or said many times, uh, and I very much believe this, cheap phones are getting good, and good phones are getting cheap, except for like the Note 9 and the iPhone 10 and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cheap, cheap phones are getting good. I totally agree with that. Like, uh, it, It's become clear to me after using this phone with the Note 9 at the same time, which is probably, like, this is the worst time to be a totally unbiased reviewer because we have all of these phones at the same time. Uh, the best way that I can mitigate that bias is to say that the Note 9 is priced the way it is because it's the package. It's the entire package. You can do literally anything with that phone and it will handle it. Is that the same case for the Poco phone? If you think of the uh, if you think of the camera in particular, maybe not. But then again, that's probably not what you're paying this paying that money for. So keep that in mind. Yeah, you're paying money to play Smash Hit for five hours at a time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, not blow out the engine just by playing it for that long, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I love that this phone came out at this price point right now to prove to us that a cooling system in a phone doesn't have to break the bank. <laughs> Yeah. Because that, that yeah. well, you had the ROG phone, which had its own cooling. You have the Note 9, which has its own cooling. But those are going to be like skyrocketed prices. Um, and people are going to th- – people. It, I, I was afraid that people would think that they would have to go to a phone like that. And then here comes Xiaomi and Pocophone proving to us that it's possible to have without having to break the bank. All uh, right. And the YouTube chat, Stereos T, uh, camera is not very important for me. Performance is since I'm struggling with my phone, uh, which is now the LG G4C. Ouch. When you have to add extra letters to the main model, it's like you you know where you're going there. Um, Goran Petrovic also, uh, why manufacturers don't make budget phones with some special top feature like the LG Q7 Plus with its top audio or that Oppo with a great camera? 
uh, I don't know which uh, particular series they're talking about there, but yeah, like there are a lot of mid rangers. Uh, LG has tried out with the X series, which focused on one specific spec, like battery or like camera or um, other like laser or something. <laughs> like they, they had some <laughs> weird ones. I don't think anyone bought an X series uh, LG, but I do remember that they had the X cam and like that's a good yeah. example. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I apologize for not uh, going into the chat more often. Uh, one thing that I will Zachary, say is that I've, yeah. uh, the, the one thing that I will say is that uh, some people were asking about, you know, like for us to answer questions throughout the entire first portion of the show. All of the questions were about the Pocophone, and now here we are. So <laughs> exactly. Uh, does the Pocophone have NFC? Says Zachary Webb. I can say. No, unfortunately, I was not able to use uh, my phone to uh, tap in and out of the tube. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's surprising how uh, contactless has uh, made its way across the UK just so easily. So mm, why yeah. can't that be US <laughs> corner stores, 7-Eleven? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one final one from the chat before we go into our final, final little thing before we close out. Um, where is it? Sachin Rati says, slap a skin on the Pokephone and you're good to go. I would kind of agree with you unless you get this uh, armored edition. And this Kevlar. Kevlar. Is, it's pretty nice, man. I'm not going to lie. Is it nice and is it as grippy as it looks? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's awesome. And there's That's also great. a bit of a heft to the phone, uh, which, which, which kind of gives you that sense of safety. And um, which is funny because uh, one of the philosophies behind the Pocophone F1 is that they think that people are going to put cases on this phone to begin with anyway. So it doesn't matter that it looks amazing. They provide one in the box. Like, yeah. It's like, come on. <laughs> um, and also, I, I have to call out Mr. Mobile here, Mr. Michael Fisher, for uh, you know talking about the oleophobic, uh, the lack of oleophobic coating which i'm not sure what you uh think of but i'm actually glad that it's like people say it's yuck and you have to deal with fingerprints like you had to, i had to deal with fingerprints anyways with those oleophobic coatings and what's more is that they made the phone slicker so that whenever i put my phone face down on a surface or what i perceive to be a near flat surface and then it ends up all of a sudden i'm just working the and, and then all of a sudden boom the floor is the like the floor has met the phone and you know what? Regardless has... of any of that, um, I, I will say that despite the Kevlar looking so nice, the armored edition still gets smudged up to hell. So, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it doesn't matter much because it still happens. <laughs> so, yeah. whatever. <laughs> All right. So we have one last thing to talk about, something a little bit fun for just a couple of minutes. Uh, and let's... Uh, I, loved, I love that, Jules, you put this as the question. <laughs> has there ever been an email that you wish you could take back immediately? <laughs> So the story behind that is uh, Gmail has been running its undo send feature yes. for emails. You've been able to uh, only on the web have you been able to um, you know take back an email uh, just maybe mere seconds after you've sent it. Like you realize, oh, that that feeling of dread when you might have sp- uh, said too much uh, <laughs> out there. So you're able to press the undo button quickly and then, you know, in some case, many cases, if you're dealing with another Gmail client, then you can do that immediately. Uh, if you're dealing with another, like a Hotmail or something like that, it might take a few minutes. So that kind of suspense still hangs around. But yeah, that feature has moved on to Android now. So uh, it's a good thing. <laughs> I guess. Um, and there are plenty of uh, emails that I wished I could have taken back in my time. 
uh, throughout I've, I've college. I've never had I've never had that because if I'm going to say something that I would ultimately want to take back, it's going to be through a text <laughs> or it's going to be through some sort of messaging. I don't think I would ever send something that could come back to me um, in a bad way in an email. I don't think I've ever done that before. <laughs> Email's very permanent. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, like it was email that you used to talk to professors or something, and you used to do that in a harried rush just before class when you're sending something and you send the wrong file or you send the wrong whatever the heck. So, like for me, in terms of like you know typing something on my phone and just saying and not making sense at all because uh, autocorrect has uh, screwed you over really good today. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's um, that was the case for me. So I wish that undo send could have undone a whole bunch of things. If you get an email from me and the word ducking is in there, I meant it for, for it to be in there. Okay. Let me just, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Brandon is, uh, is the undo send feature a godsend for you? It is. It is a godsend, except that you have a window of like 10 seconds to undo send. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want a window of like 72 hours because I can't think of a particular example, but I've sent my wife emails in the past oh. that I, I I was telling her something I didn't I, I didn't agree with or something that bothered me, and let's just say it put our relationship into a tailspin. And I wish I hadn't sent it, but you know there was no undo send. There was no seventy two hour undo send. So. Well, the reality is, is that that notification pops up, you know, just 30 seconds after you've sent that thing. And, you know, depending on the push cycles or whatnot, like that could be even sooner. So it's like, in reality, you only have just a few precious seconds that you could really use. <laughs> so I should, I should find her phone and smash it. Right, it's like a classic, a classic family sitcom trope, right there. It's like, no, don't open that. And And, um, the uh, wasn't there a Google Labs uh, application in Gmail that would test if you're sober before you can send an email? Oh yeah, depending on what hour it was. I mean, I think I I think that's sometimes more useful (laughs) than an undo send feature. Um, But in any case, uh, there's no reason to undo send this podcast this very informative and very fun podcast that we just to had. undo this broadcast altogether and act like <laughs> nice. it never existed but we want to thank you for tuning in on the live episode and if you are listening to this on any of the podcasting networks that you are listening to the pocket now weekly on thank you so much for listening uh that is going to be our show for this week remember that the weekly is just as much a conversation as it is a show so make sure you make your voices heard either in the comment sections down below or by emailing us at podcast dot oh sorry podcast at pocketnow.com you can also head on over to Twitter and you can use the hashtag PNWeekly in order to talk to any of us if you have any questions or any feedback. Speaking of feedback, we would love to see some of your reviews and your ratings on all of the different podcast networks. And it's one of the ways that we've been able to make this show for you for so long by now. As for our personal handles on social media, we have Anton, who was here earlier, and uh, great to have Anton on again. Uh, congratulations to him for being here for 10 years, both with XDA in a way and also with Pocket Now, of course. Anton is found on Twitter at A N T O N D N A G Y, Anton D Nagy on 
Twitter, and we can move over to Brandon Miniman, who is found at Brandon Miniman. Jules, who's great to have back on the show, is found at Point Jules, and you can find me at JV Tech Tea. To make things easier for you, JV loves tech and he loves to drink tea. Uh, if you also want to see what else I'm up to, I'm going to do a couple of shameless plugs here. Um, I am working on some content, not only here for Pocket Now in terms of the Moto Z3 review, which is coming out very, very soon. I'm putting the final touches on it, uh, but also I will have my own content on the Galaxy Note 9 coming up at youtube.com slash Joshua Vergara. Uh, if you follow me on any of my social media, then you'll be uh, up to date with whatever I end up doing because I'm going to post it anyway. Pocket Now is at Pocket Now on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, and YouTube in English and Espanol, where you can find more news on the Pocket Now Daily and Pocket Now Adario. Shout out to Jaime Rivera, who was not able to join us on this show. You can find all of that content every weekday, and we're also on PocketNow.com for all of your mobile tech needs. All right, with that, we're going to go ahead and call it on this edition of the Weekly. Thank you once again, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye-bye. I love that I love that final bye bye there it was hilarious <laughs>